Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Hi, my name is Jess Coulter, and I'm one of the pastors at the Valley Church, and I'm excited to finish our series called My Life First With You. But before we get into that, would you guys just pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to get together and to dig into your word. I pray that you would just open our hearts and our minds to receive the word that you have for us today. I thank you for the way that it has worked in me this week. And so we just give these next few moments to you. I surrender them to you. And I ask that uh, you just be here with us and show us what you would have us learn today. And it's in Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen. So my kids, Dylan and Zalame, are water babies from the first day, they would put their faces in the water. They'd jump right under the water. I mean, Zalame would do this violent, like, like, into the water without any fear. And I remember somebody watching them just laughing and saying, these kids need swim lessons. They are ready. And I was like, I totally agree. And so I'd get on the Y website, and I was checking out their schedule and when we could do it. And seasons just kept, I'd miss the registration or we'd get so busy and I'd mix the next one. And this went on and on. And finally, I was in the kitchen with my husband, Mark, and I'm like, we are getting these swim lessons scheduled. Like, let's sit down. When is this going to happen? And as we looked at our calendars and at the times available, like we just kind of felt this stress, like when are we going to fit this in? And finally, Mark said to me, he goes, is this really worth it? Like, do we need to do this right now at this season of our life? Can we just wait a little bit longer? And I felt so relieved because, yes, like, I just, I didn't want to commit to a time that we would need or it would compete with other things. Have you ever experienced that with your calendar? Have you ever been sitting down trying to figure out where am I going to fit this in? And can I be honest, I kind of felt like a bad mom. Like, my kids are, they were preschoolers. They weren't in anything extracurricular. Like, I couldn't even find time to put them in one thing. Did that make me an awful mom? Like, I was just wrestling with all of this. Maybe you've experienced something like that with your spouse trying to find a date night with your kids, with working out, going to the gym, um, any number of things. Maybe you've experienced that stressful moment of trying to find time in your calendar. Well, you know, as awful as coronavirus is and has been, the way it halted so many things gives us an insight that we've never had really before. Can you think back and remember the first thing that got canceled or postponed on your calendar? And in that moment, how did you feel when you found out that school was canceled. I mean, I know we didn't know for sure, but you weren't coming back for a little while, right? Or your office hours, meetings around a conference table, graduation, sports, weddings, cookouts, festivals, playgrounds, zoos, vacations, choir concerts, band concerts, coffee dates, church on site, swim lessons. All of these things just started getting sliced off your calendar. And can you remember how you felt at that first one, but then the other ones, these individual things that got taken off your calendar? How did you feel in that moment receiving that news? Some of the things that filled your schedule, I know you've missed dearly, as have I. And then there's other things that maybe you've been surprised about that you really don't miss as much as you thought that you might. Like maybe when it was canceled, even good things, you were sort of relieved. Grateful that you didn't have to choose if you were going to do that or not. And maybe you've discovered some things that you were doing that you don't really feel like maybe you need to be doing anymore. Like, they didn't add as much to your life as maybe you thought that they did. 
Life isn't less without them. Everyone's schedule is different, and I know everyone's schedule is, has been impacted differently by this, but no matter who you are or what your schedule looked like, the way the world kind of stopped, everyone was impacted in some way. And in a way never experienced before, this season has given us an opportunity to take stock of our rhythm and decide what we let back into our lives as things open up, to be intentional on where and what and with whom we spend our time. I have seen so many declarations online on social media or, or texts saying, when all of this returns to normal, whatever normal is, I am not going back to that. I am not going back to the mad dash of culture. And then they wonder, like, is that even possible? Is it possible to have the slower pace of life, to not fill every minute, to have a work-life balance? Well, the concept of work-life balance isn't new. It's not revolutionary. It's a catchphrase that we've heard in the last few years, but it's actually started a long time ago. It's very biblical to have a work-life balance. Jesus gives us the key, even it's a command, to accomplish a productive, fruitful life without running ourselves ragged to accomplish it. Doesn't that sound great? So how do we have a work-life balance? How do we keep our calendar from owning us? Well, if you are following along in the Bible app with today's event, I would love you to, you can, this scripture is in there. If not, if you've got a physical Bible or if you just have the Bible app up, we are going to be exploring today John 15, verses 1 to 5. And I'm actually going to read it in the message version because as I was studying the different translations, I really loved how this was worded. So would you read this together with me? I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Now, I think I just like to know this detail that this passage um, is one of four chapters or conversations that Jesus had with his disciples. It was a post-dinner conversation. You know, when you're all sitting around the table and dinner wraps up and you guys, you start to get up and you walk away and you're maybe headed to another room. That's when this conversation, this parable or metaphor took place, when Jesus shared it with his disciples. And it was actually a very important dinner. It was the Passover meal, the last supper when Jesus shared this. So to me, that just makes it even more intriguing that these are some of the last words that he shared with his disciples as is about being the vine and this abiding. So in the message version, it says, live in me. Other translations will say, remain in me, abide in me. You'll see that a lot. And so what is this abide? It's not a word that we use that often. Um, and a modern day or the easiest translation I could think of or, or de definition would be to be present. To abide is to be present. So we're going to talk about that with grapes. There's a very intentional process to growing grapes. And so Jesus just picked like the most perfect metaphor to talk about this work-life balance. And it's something that he modeled in his time on earth. So in Jesus' time, a vine would be cultivated, planted, and then left to grow for three years before being allowed to bear fruit. So any time the vine would start to 
bare, a, a bunch of grapes, the vine dresser would cut it back and wouldn't allow it to happen. And then only after the third year uh, would the grapes be allowed to grow on your own. And there's a very specific reason for that. It's because by then the branches were strong enough to hold and support the weight of the grapes without breaking. I just think that's great. In, in Matthew 4, Jesus, um, it, it tells us that he spent 40 days abiding, being present, resting, preparing with the Father in the wilderness before he launched his earthly ministry. He connected with the Father before he went into his work and into his fruitfulness. If you go back to the very beginning of creation, God created, there were six days, and he created man and woman, and then on the seventh day, he rested. The very first day for man and woman was spent resting with God, being together, being present. Now, God wasn't tired. He didn't need a rest. Adam and Eve weren't tired. They had not done anything yet. That wasn't the point. The point was that he was establishing a rhythm with them that before he gave them a command, one of the first commands was to be fruitful. So they had a job to do. Their job was to tend the garden and the animals, and they had work, a job to be done. But before they got to it, he wanted them to rest and to spend time with them and to create that rhythm. He wanted to spend time before they worked the garden. God created us to work out of rest, not work until we need rest. Before sin entered the world, sometimes people think like, oh, now because of sin, we have to work hard and life's hard. And we have to, no, but working and being productive and being fruitful was always part of the plan. In heaven, we're probably going to have jobs to do. So it's not like we're just going to lay back in this eternal chilling out church service. Work was part of the plan of God's plan for us before sin ever entered the world. But it looked different. There was, there was a plan for work and for rest, and there was actual biblical work-life balance. God has a rhythm for how this is supposed to be. We are to work from our rest, not rest from our work. We are to work from our rest, not rest from our work. We see this again in the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Set one day apart to rest, to abide, to remain in him, to be present with God, to get your week set, and to have that rhythm. It is right up there with murder, with stealing and cheating, with listening to mom and dad. So it matters. Resting and abiding, being present matters. Scripture reveals to us that throughout there is a rhythm to our fruitfulness, seasons of rest and seasons of work. And that from day one, that was the intention. So if you want to live a fruitful, meaningful, God-ordained life, you cannot do it without resting in him and working out of that. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant separated, you cannot produce a thing. Or I would say, you can't produce a thing worth anything, right? So I was reading as I was studying the scripture, um, again, it's one of my favorites, but I came across a commentary that was talking specifically about that phrase, live in me, remain in me, abide in me. And I loved what it said. It kind of hit me in the gut, to be honest. It says, whatever leads to this is good, this being abiding, resting, remaining in me. Whatever leads to this is good. Whatever hinders this is bad. And whatever does not bear on this is futile. 
It kind of gives an easy sorting process to all of the things that we let in our life and their priority. Is it hindering your ability to rest with your family, with your friends, to, to rest in God, to be present with him? If it's hindering it, then it's bad. <laughs> or something about it needs to change because in its current state, it is bad. Whatever leads to this is good. And all the rest doesn't really matter. I mean, it's a pretty, it's, consider it bad. If it's hindering your rest and your being present with God, consider it bad. That's how important this is. So how do you know if you're abiding, if you're being present, if you're resting, if you have this rhythm? I don't have an exhaustive list, but I have some suggestions to maybe check and see where, where you're at on this. Um, one of them is you aren't spending time with God regularly. You aren't connected to the vine. You might not be abiding if that's happening. You regularly work seven days a week or six days a week. You regularly work 10 or more hours a day. You often work through lunch. You take work with you on vacation. You answer work-related emails or voicemails after you get home at night and on days off. You canceled a vacation because you had too much work to do. Or you never scheduled a vacation in the first place, even though you have the time, because there's too much work to do. You think through work activities while eating with your family and friends. You talk about your work more than your family or your friends or your activities that you enjoy while on a date with your spouse or your significant other or in general. So you're just talking about work and all those things, which you're accomplishing more than all the other things of life. If you answered yes to many of those or several of those, you might have a problem resting and abiding. And can I be honest? There's in all of this time, the only one that I haven't done, that I'm not guilty of at some point in my life, is that I have never canceled a vacation. If that happens, something's really wrong. <laughs> I love to take vacation. Um, but, but if I'm honest, all of those I have been guilty of at some point in my life in not abiding. I want to show you this, just a simple tool. It's called, it's a semicircle, and it kind of shows this rhythm of life. So you can see on one side of the semicircle, it says rest, and on the other side, it says work. It could also, under rest, resting meaning abiding, being present, pruning. Um, on the other side, it says work. Working is bearing fruit, fruitfulness, the doing, growing, kingdom work, things that you're doing for, for God. Um, and you can see that there's abiding, rest, fruitfulness, work on the other side. And then there's like a pendulum that, that swings back and forth, like a metronome, if you will, or a clock right? Going back and forth, back and forth. And so this is the rhythm that God has established for us in this work-life balance. Now that's not to say, um, before you think, that's not possible. That doesn't mean that every season of your life you're only resting and there is no work being done. But there are different areas of your life where you're either in a season of rest and abiding, or you're in a season of fruitfulness and work. And it's the importance of acknowledging that it's supposed to go back and forth. The problem with most of us, myself included, is that we just try to keep the pendulum on the side of work and productivity and fruitfulness for as long as we possibly can. If I drink one more espresso, I can just power through and get this done. If I work 12-hour days, like it will all be over and I can accomplish this. If I just power through, it will be okay. 
But the reality is, is that's not how we were created, and it never usually works because something's got to give, because we're supposed to be in this natural rhythm. So what usually happens is, I had a season of this, I know lots of other people have experienced this, you get a cold because your immune system's run down, or you catch something, you get sick because you have worn your body out, you're not resting. Maybe life implodes, explodes at home because the attention isn't being given there, you're not being present there like you're supposed to. It's all about being work and fruitfulness. Um, you burn out, maybe you're having insomnia, you can't sleep at night, or anxiety, or, or different things start to spring up because of not living in this rhythm of rest and work. I mean, stress and fatigue are one of the top reasons, um, like roots of a lot of the symptoms of health-related related issues that people go to the doctor for today. Because we live in a culture that just celebrates work, and the harder you work and the more you can get done, that's generally what we celebrate. But that's not the way it was intended to be. Vine dressers know that an untrimmed vine, I found this really interesting, that an untrimmed vine will develop long rambling branches that produce little fruit because most of the strength of the vine is being given to the wood, to the trunk of the vine, if you will. Pruning is a process that is so important when growing grapes, and pruning is not automatic for the branch. Left to its own plans, it would grow increasing in size, but decreasing in strength, endurance, and health until it's unable to hold the fruit that it was intended to bear. And just like vines, our lives need to experience pruning. So we've talked a bit about what the abiding and rest looks like, and you can see on that semicircle there is a part and a process to this rest that allows us to rest from our work and abide. Um, and in grape growing and in life, it's, it's pruning. The scripture says, Every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back, so it will bear even more. Every branch that is, is grape-bearing, even though it's producing fruit, he prunes, he being God the Father, prunes back, so it will bear even more. This is counterintuitive for most of us, but you will find greater productivity and fruitfulness and meaning when you engage in the abiding process and the pruning process. So back to the vine, um, in Jesus' time, that's why this is like the best parable or metaphor, um, in that time, in August, is generally when they would go through the pruning process. So when the blossoms had become ripening grapes, um, the little shoots that started to pop out would be cut away, would be pruned away, so that the main fruit was receiving all the nourishment. Isn't that cool? So the, the grapes would be the best grapes that they could be. They would cut everything away so that all the nourishment would go to those grapes that were growing. And that's how it is in life. While pruning is painful, let's be honest, you're cutting something away in that. It serves a necessary purpose of removing those branches that would otherwise, and this is us, absorb our time and energy. And so self-evaluation, self reflecting on that with God's help, seeking what he'd have for us, can motivate us to stop some behaviors that aren't as productive in our life um, and turn to habits that are more life-giving and fruit-producing. Now listen, there are times in our lives where something is really good, and that's when it's the hardest to prune. Because it's something that is good, it might be producing some fruit, but when you rest and you abide and you seek God on what he would have in your life, what he wants you to spend your time on, there might be something that you feel that he's, he's showing you that you need to cut back on. And you think, but it's good, and you don't want to do it. Um, but he wants us to maybe stop doing something so that we can create space and margin and rest because he has something even better for us. Because there's this process, when you're over in this side of resting and abiding, 
God can prepare things in you. You can be growing. You can be preparing for the next season of work and fruitfulness. That's how they do it with farming and, and vineyards. The branch has to rest to get ready for that next season of fruitfulness. Sometimes God wants to prune something really good away because he has something even better for us. I can relate to this, the painful process of pruning and, and not wanting to give up good things. I mean, we can fill our, the, my family, we can fill our calendar with a lot of really good church-related stuff or community-serving stuff. I love being active in the community and serving. I love our church. There's a lot that we can do. Um, and so it has to be good, right, because it's church. Um, that's got to be of God, right? We, we, it's good that we do all of that. And it's not right. It's wrong. <laughs> um, and it's, it's not fun. We, we've experienced this personally, and it wasn't fun. And it can get so bad, the, the ignoring of the, the necessity to rest and to prune things out and to seek God, what he wants you to be doing, um, even when it's good. It can get so bad that it just becomes a hot mess. And to clean it up and to work yourself back out of that, to go through the process of pruning is, is worse if you had just been seeking God in the first place. It's, it's precisely why God commands that we don't live like that, that we live in this rhythm, because it's really messy to try to clean it up. We came out of that. We've shared that with some of you. If you've heard um, that story, it might be in past sermons that you could watch online. But we, 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 can, we know what this is like. And so these past few months have created an, a unique opportunity for all of us with all of the things that, that got shut down or postponed. Um, life was pruned back to the very basics, right? The big outing, if you did this, was the grocery store. Or maybe not, because you got your groceries delivered. Maybe you still had to go to the office. But everything was pared back to the very basics. And we now have the opportunity to seek God, discuss with our people, with your circle, and decide what needs to remain pruned out of our lives. I'm not saying that God took all of that out, but I'm saying now it is an opportunity, a season, to seek him and say, God, what do you want me to keep pruned? And what do you want me to let back in? Abiding is really hard. That's why more people don't do this and live like this. Because it's difficult. It's counterintuitive to our culture. And to let God prune and then waiting in a resting season for something to happen is difficult. Especially when you don't know what he has planned next. We are not good at waiting. We are an instant majority, or I. I am very much part of the instant gratification culture, whether I, I like it or not. Um, a few weeks ago, honestly, I thought I had waited forever <laughs> in the drive through and I looked down at my clock. I was like at the window waiting to order. Nobody was saying anything to me. And I happened to glance at my clock and I realized I'd been sitting there for three minutes. <laughs> I really wanted a Diet Coke. But it's just that we, it's very, very hard for us to wait. It's hard to let God prune when maybe you don't know why you're supposed to stop doing something. It's something you don't know what's next and you want to see what God has in store before you decide if you want to prune it, right? Let me make sure it's better or that I think it's better before I prune this other thing away that I really like. It's easier when it's stuff that's not so nice, right? It's easy to prune the stuff we don't like away. But sometimes it's harder on the things that aren't so obviously good or bad or something that we enjoy, but God's saying, this is not the season for that. And you need to, to prune that away and rest. But as the grapevine shows us, this mentality, it leads to puny fruit and, and to vines that can't hold the fruit that God wants them to have. And God has so much more in store for us if we just let him be the gardener. Okay, so it's important, right? It's part of God's design for us. Work-life balance sounds great. I'd love to not be frazzled and exhausted. How, how do we do this? How do we go about this? Um, 
it's something we have to constantly work at, but I've got a few things to maybe get us started. Here's three suggestions. The first one is to identify what season you are in or should be in. Are you in an abiding season or a fruitful season? And if you're not sure, I've just got, this is not exhaustive, but just a few ideas. Look at the fruit. Um, what kind of fruit are you producing? So here's a few things. Are you straining to produce what you do? Is it, are you just exhausted and straining to produce what you have to? Hard work is different than straining, I would point out as well. Hard, there's nothing wrong with hard work, but are you straining? Is it just like sucking the life out of you? Um, is my heart growing warmer or colder towards people? Am I constantly in a bad mood? Am I increasingly exhausted? Do I get fixated on offenses, or am I willing to overlook most of them? Have I become harsher or gentler in the last year? Do I lose control easily? And if you've answered yes to all of those, most of those, many of those, um, that would be an indication that you need to move into an abiding season, an abiding season, and take stock of what needs pruned away so that you can enter into that. The second thing would be to identify how you abide and rest. So some of you, as I've been saying this, you've probably been thinking like hours upon, I'm talking about hours and hours upon um, solitude and scripture and prayer, and you're in a closet, and you're like, um, and singing and all of these things. That's not all of it, no. Um, we all need to spend quality time with God, but even that looks different for each person. How that refreshes and restores and, and brings joy and, and rest into your life, it's different for everybody and how we're wired. We don't do that the same way. And same with rest, being present, abiding. No, we all don't do that the same way. So something that will be actually on our social media this week, I'd encourage you to check it out. It's like a this or that for how you rest. This will be fun. You can share that on your own pages and we can see how each other does that. But like extroverts, introvert and extroverts, there's a big difference in how we rest. I'm an extrovert, so I find... Um, refreshment from being out and doing things, new things, and talking with people. My husband's an introvert, so he enjoys just a close group of people or time just in quiet and reading. Um, we find rest in different ways. An extrovert might be able to feel refreshed after a cookout, and introvert's like, only if it's my closest friends or no thank you at all, right? We all don't rest differently. You might, nature, inside or outside, books, movies, music, baths, sports, reading, and and resting and abiding just doesn't look like sleep or sitting in a quiet closet, like I said. It's, it's what refreshes us. It's all of those things. It's a package deal. So what is life-giving to you? What brings you energy? As we talk about this, it's important to be able to identify what that is so that you can engage in that in the best way to have those times of being present. And then the third thing is to establish a rhythm. This is huge. Um, like I said, if you're looking at that semi-server, you might think we're supposed to only be resting or only be like working and fruitful. No, it's not like an all or nothing. Um, there's a rhythm to this. And so daily, what's your daily rhythm? So one suggestion, obviously I'd suggest that you're in the Word or, and praying every day, um, spending that time being present with God, and how the season of life you're in might dictate how long that can be for you. That's okay. Doesn't, it's just, as long as there's a daily rhythm established um, that you can be present with the Father. And then just for all other areas, one suggestion I um, discovered was like eight hours of sleep, eight hours of work, four hours engaging, four hours disengaging. What would that look like for you? Just a suggestion. What would you need to change to come to something even close like that? Each day, Jesus got up and spent time with the Father, and that time helped him to prioritize and organize his day um, for, that, for what he was going to do. 
Another rhythm would be weekly. So you have a daily rhythm, a weekly rhythm. Six days of work and a day of rest, a Sabbath. So weekly routine should make space for your family, your friends, your neighbors, those who are outside of the faith um, that you want to connect with, that there should be room and space and margin in your life for those things, prioritize those things. So for my family, um, Thursday night to Friday evening is, is our Sabbath because Sunday is a crazy day for us. We love it, but it's, it's definitely not a day of rest. And so we take that Thursday night to Friday. Thursday night, we try to have a date night, in-home date night when our kids are little. Um, and then Friday, we try to do like a family fun day. And so if somebody, that's like on our calendar already established. And so I would ask, we haven't always done this, we're not perfect at this, but could you put on your calendar before you put all of your meetings and your conferences and the sporting, all the things to do, could you put on your calendar a day of rest um, before and relaxation before you scheduled all of those other things? And how does that make you feel to do that? Does that sit well or, you know, that's, that's part of this rhythm. Um, so if you were to ask the quilters to do something on a Thursday night or Friday, sometimes we might, but for the most part, we might be like, oh, is there another time we can do that? Because we try to set that time aside for our family and Mark and I for our marriage. And can I just tell you, when we don't abide by this rhythm, um, we're not like legalistic about it, but we can tell when it gets out of whack. Um, and we're not, we, we aren't, um, we aren't as, a hel- as healthy of a family as when we are, when we are following this rhythm. Shocker, because that's how God designed us to have this rhythm of rest. And then monthly. What routines do you need to build into your schedule? Pre-COVID, we tried to do one extra fun family day because we hadn't been doing that, okay? So this is something we added to our calendar to be intentional about, to add into our rhythm of abiding and being present together. Um, So like Air Force Museum or zoo or um, air show, whatever, things like that, obviously pre-COVID. And we might do more things than that, but it was a rhythm to make sure that that didn't just constantly get pushed aside by all the other things that can go onto our calendar. So for you, what do you need to plan monthly? Is it uh, to rest and to retreat and to refresh? If you're an introvert, maybe, and you have a family of all extroverts, like mine, (laughs) Uh, maybe you need to plan a day to, if you like to fish or you like to bike or just to to be out in nature or to spend it reading, whatever. There are days where um, I'll tell Mark, would you like a day of quiet? (laughs) Our house isn't very quiet. And so I'll go to my sister's house because the extroverts, we find that to be a ball. Um, And then Mark can have a quiet day at home because we all rest differently. So we try to build that into our rhythm. Again, not perfect, but we, we try to be intentional about our rhythm. Throughout Scripture, Jesus, you'll see where he and his disciples got away from the crowds, and they had this rhythm to do that for short periods. Annually, vacations, retreats, right? Do you build those into your calendar? Um, Or do you wait till it's so full you can't even figure out when you could take a vacation? Or is it a priority? And then seasons. I want to speak to the fact that we need to recognize that there are seasons of this. Um, When you're single— and when you're married, those are different seasons. Or when you have a family, um, when you've got kids in the house or you're empty nesters, adolescents and adulthoods, teenagers, your rhythm is going to look different than your parents' rhythm or an adult's rhythm. Um, starting a new job, that's going to require more time to be working, and it's going to be harder to abide as you're learning all the new things. So it's important to recognize that there are seasons to this, to define what the season you're in, and to make sure it's not a forever season. Um, and continue with the daily, monthly, weekly rhythms. They just might need to be adjusted during the season of time, but recognizing that. Or you could be in that season for a whole year, and it can kind of, you can lose your rhythms. Um, so generally, every year of your life, as I've mentioned, won't be in the same season. Um, everything won't be in a fruitful season. Everything won't be in an abiding season. But recognizing where you might need to prune back to have rest and abiding um, and make sure that's all there. 
So God, this is just the coolest thing, God doesn't want us to live constantly stressed, hurried, busy, frazzled. That's not what he has in store for us. That's not what he intended for us. He created us to be fruitful and to be productive and to work, but never at the expense of your health, of your family, of your friends, of yourself, of your relationship with him. He designed it to be better. I want to read to you guys Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Actually, in the message version, I really like this because it says, um, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. The unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That is what God has planned for us in store for us. That's what the life that he wants us to live. For joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend because changed lives change lives.